Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. All right, everybody, welcome to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Kelly Sander, we're with you this afternoon in the Southern Bank Core Studios here in Hattiesburg. Uh, we're glad you're with us. Had a little problem there with the open, but we're on the air and we are ready to go. Head baseball coach Scott Berry joins us every Monday. Happy to say we've got him on the phone with us today. And coach, I know you guys had a long trip back and uh, just back uh, last night. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, let's get started uh, with the midweek. Uh, we'd like to review all the games that uh, we've had the week before. Let's get started with the midweek Tuesday. You traveled over to Louisiana Tech. I thought you had really good midweek pitching Tuesday night, but just couldn't get the bats going, and uh, and you lost a close uh, midweek game uh, to a good, solid Tech baseball team. Yeah, you know, that was a, a disappointing midweek, and honestly, Bob, we just we haven't – uh, been able to cover those midweeks like like we need to. We're, we're three and five now in, in midweek games, and certainly you would like to have a winning record there. But for whatever reason, we just hadn't played well enough, and particularly the last two midweeks with uh, La Tech last week and Alabama, the one before, and they really kind of mirrored one another. Other than Alabama beat us thirteen to nothing, and, and we really just didn't do anything in that game, and we've talked about that. But Tech. You know, we were absent in the phases of the game that, that allow you or, or uh, give you a chance to win. And what, like you said, we started out well with Armistead, but would have certainly loved to have him as a four starter and, and let him continue to go. But we knew the importance of the weekend and how he could possibly play in. And, and we'll, we'll look at that in just a little bit. But, you know, we had to go in and kind of do Johnny Holstaff, a couple of home runs, uh, you know, a single and a double. And uh, it's it's three three runs for Tech, and we were able to to get one run on the board. I think, if I remember correctly, I, I want to say it might have been a sacrifice. I'm not really sure. That's right. right. Just didn't really have a lot of opportunities. I mean, we only had we left five guys on base, so uh, um, we just and, and it wasn't because we hit them all in, obviously, but no. just didn't do enough. Played played good defense, but offensively, it was. Uh, it was absent on that night. Uh, I want to ask you a general question before we move on to the weekend that I, that I hear fans ask a lot. When you get to this point of the season and you're going down the stretch in your league, how important are midweek games? Are, is it more important to win the midweek game or more important to get the things done on the field that you want to see to prepare you for the weekend? Well, you know, I think that's a great question. I think it's probably personnel-driven. Uh, you know, unfortunately, this year it's it's not that we're not trying to win a midweek game, but on the same hand, we don't want to sacrifice blowing all our bullets, uh, shooting all our bullets on a midweek game, and and then suffer that on on a on a weekend right. when when conference right now is honestly the most important thing to us. Uh, not that tomorrow night, Wednesday night isn't. We're going to try to win those. Trust me. But we also have to cover an all important weekend. Uh, against a conference, uh, you know, opponent every every week. So uh, we don't have the personnel right now that 
gives us that fourth starter or that fifth starter that we feel like can go out and say, hey, you know what, this is your 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 day, and you take it. Don't worry about any others, and you're on a, on a seven day rotation. We just we just don't have it, Bob, at this right. point. All right, so you go, you get on the road, you uh, you go out to South Carolina. You're playing a top ten team in Coastal Carolina. Very good, very good baseball team. No question about that. Uh, we, we lose the opener. Uh, we lose the opener fifteen to seven. But I think what struck me about the opener more than anything was it just it appeared to be one of those afternoons where Tanner just doesn't have his best stuff, and then he takes a pretty vicious shot on the line drive. So talk a little bit about the struggles he had, and then. If that line drive hitting him uh, had ill effect on him, well, you're right. I mean, he didn't have his best stuff. You know, last week, the week before against James Madison, you know, we saw him give up uh, uh, all-time career hits, uh, and that we don't usually see. And they had a really good plan. I don't think he had the action on the ball in that James Madison like we've seen him in the past. This particular game last Friday, uh, he really just tried to grind that thing out. He didn't didn't have much. I mean, even the pitches that were out of the out of the zone that we get swing and misses on, I feel like that they were too far out of the zone. They missed too much. And and being the offense that Coastal Carolina is, they were able to recognize that and not offer and, and get themselves out. Very disciplined team at the plate. Didn't swing. At, at stuff off off the plate, uh, really fouled and extended at bats, and that's what we saw. But you know, prior to the the line drive off from his uh, off from his leg there in the third inning, I think at that point he'd already had four walks, which I think right. his career high was three. In all honesty, mm-hmm. he ended up with seven on that. But yes, from that point on, um, he he gutted that thing out, just trying to get us deep because he knew how important it was for us to not deplete our bullpen on game one against that team and he tried to go as far as he could he went three innings uh you know and and the next day that thing is is really really sore hit on the shin right above the ankle and it was a it was a pretty direct shot on there so i'm surprised he stayed in the game and and pitched but it was just pure determination and and uh just toughness that that enabled him to go out there and try to do that is he okay coach yeah, I think he's fine. He's going to be fine. He's pretty. He was pretty sore that next day, Saturday, and mm-hmm. and and you know, rightly so. He should have been because it was a it was a hard hit ball right off there that ricocheted right back to to the catcher, and right. uh, and he throws him out at first base. Blake was catching at the time. Really ricocheted off his leg so hard that it came back to the catcher, and he was able to throw the batter out yeah, at first base. Yeah, I mean, it was like a bunt. He was like he was feeling the bunt. Uh, it yeah. was just coming from a different direction to it. Yeah. Fell behind early. The team came back, fought back late in the game, but unable to really overcome the deficit uh, that at the start of the game. And then that's exactly what happened Saturday. Am I right about that? Two really disastrous frames, first and second inning. After that, it's a really competitive baseball game, but you were in a really big hole. Yeah, man, you just don't want to get into a game of chase with them, seeing who can who can outscore who. Uh, you really don't. You're going to have to have stuff on the mound that we certainly found out. And, you know, we saw it on Friday that we didn't have enough stuff with the guys that we threw. Even Tanner, you know, who's been electric on Friday nights for us. Billy, who's coming off a great performance last week against. Uh, James Madison, the six scoreless innings. You know he didn't have stuff. Everything that that we threw up there. I mean they they either fouled it or they hit it really really hard. 
so, you know, you jump out 13 to, to nothing against Coastal Carolina, boy, I'll tell you what, you're, uh, you're not looking real good. But I, I'll credit our offense. I mean, we were able to come back and score one in the third and a big five-run spot that made it very interesting there at that point. I think it was right. – uh, I think it got to thirteen to seven there in the fifth inning, That's and hard. we we cut that thing in half. But then, of of course, they exploded there in in the sixth inning. We don't make a play in the outfield that uh, we slip on that would have been the second out. That was a huge situation that we probably were going to get out of that inning without giving up a run or even possibly just one run. And uh, as a result, they get six on that, and really just blow that thing open. Yeah, it seemed to me too, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it did seem to me that our outfielders had at times a little difficulty with maybe perception as to where the wall was. I I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but did and maybe I'm wrong, but did you did you detect they were having some trouble with, with either the lights or the or the or, or the field itself? Yeah, you know, and I think it's just the uh, and I don't. Yes, I see exactly what you you're seeing as well. That that field number one, it's maybe one of the smallest parks uh, that that I have seen. Lane Burrs over at Tech when I was telling him, he's like, "Is it smaller than ours?" And I said, "Look, it's like yours in right field and left field as well, mm-hmm. and there's no dimensions on the wall, and I know why because they don't want you to see." how short that thing is. And mm-hmm. and trust me, it plays short when we're on offense too. It's not just all of a sudden they bring them in when they're hitting. I mean, it's in for both, both teams, but you know, they are, they're very physical um, and uh, they can attack that thing offensively. And they got balls in the air that, you know, you were just, they, I feel like they would have been pop-ups at Pete Taylor park, but they go out. Right. Uh, you know, I think the only two home runs that were no doubters, were uh, were sergeants there on on Friday when he hit the two run homer and then Slade's yesterday. I mean, those were definitely balls that were gone in our part. All the others, I honestly don't know. Um, you know how how many of those would have gone in Pete Taylor Park? I thought the same thing, Coach. I thought the same thing. I tell you one thing: when Slade Wilkes hit the home run, and we're going to talk about the Sunday game next. Uh, that was a no doubter because their outfielders didn't do anything but just enjoy watching that go out of the park. That was a shot, coach. That's usually the way he hits them. So. <laughs> All right, we've got head baseball coach Scott Beer. We're going to talk about the good game, which was yesterday, and why I think it was such an important game. And uh, we'll get coach's thoughts on that right after the break. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, we're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. It's Bob and Kelly today. We're both here at Oak Grove. I want to thank Southern Bank Corps. Also, Dickie's Barbecue Pit sponsoring the opening segment of our show with head baseball coach Scott Berry and Campus Bookmart and Miss Kathleen for sponsoring this second segment as we continue our conversation. Head baseball coach Scott Berry. Okay, coach, so the, the team bounces back yesterday. You get a fifteen to seven win over this. Really, we were talking off air. Really, really good 
Coastal Carolina team. And sometimes you just got to give credit. You know, the other, the other team's very, very good. Uh, it seemed to me that it was important uh, to win that game for a number of reasons. But obviously, to me, more so than just one more victory, it, I got to believe from a psychological standpoint and from the psyche of the team, that ride home last night and going into this busy week, the mindset's a lot different than had you been swept out there. Well, trust me, it was a tough week going one and one and three on the week. And, you know, if, yeah, on the weekend, if, if when you're on the road, if you're only going to win one game, then it needs to be the Sunday game that makes the ride a little more enjoyable mm-hmm. and a little more upbeat. And certainly it was, not that we felt like there was any moral victory whatsoever, but you know, as we talked about off the air, Bob, about just stressing the importance of not getting swept, uh, you know, and what the what that can bring in, in your not only your mental side of, of where you are as a team, but also when you're trying to build a resume and you're trying to create this resume that's weeks down in front of us. It's you know every every week there's a there's a part of that resume that's being written, and uh, at the end of the at the end of the season that story is going to be looked at by a committee. And, and being swept on the road is, is is not in your favor, but being able to salvage one on the road against a highly ranked Coastal Carolina team certainly proves in, in your favor. So, uh, very. I mean, I, I was proud of our guys how we responded. I mean, we got we got our teeth kicked in on Friday and Saturday, and for us to come out yesterday and open up with a four spot at the top of the fourth, only to see it get tied in the third. And then they take the lead in, in the fifth, and they're up seven to seven to four. And, and look, it could have been just you know what? Here we go again, the same scenario, and off to the races, and they're out front. But you know, credit credit Reese Ewing with the two run homer there in the sixth that brought that momentum back into our favor. And then of course there in the eighth and ninth, we we played five runs there in the eighth and, and nine in in the uh, or I'm sorry in four in the ninth. So great offensive day for our guys and really not too bad all weekend i mean mm-hmm. you know we got we got outscored on, on the weekend i think it was 42 to 29 but you know scoring 29 runs for for our team that's that's pretty darn good we just didn't balance it with with enough pitching to, to offset it coach Barry, when you look at when you look at coastal's schedule particularly the last 14 games they're averaging averaging pretty close to 10 runs a game in, in your career have you ever seen a team rake like this one does, one one through nine? And if so, can you remember when that team, when you would have seen a team like that? Well, I'm sure there is teams like that. I can remember back, uh, I don't remember what year it wasn't, but a few years back, FAU had a really good offensive team. As a matter of fact, they, they beat us really bad here um, two games. They won the series uh, – at Pete Taylor Park, and then later on, we caught them in the championship game down in Biloxi, and it may have been 2016, and we shut them out four to nothing. And they absolutely destroyed us in two games here on that Friday and Saturday. But you know that that offense that they had at that time was very, very potent and, and was very similar to this Coastal. But Coastal, uh, you know, they're 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 fun team to watch and, and how they go about their business. They play good defense and. It's all uh, their little second baseman who is a, a graduate transfer from a D2 school. Man, he's the motor that makes them go. He is, he's a fun little player to watch and a tough, tough out. 
really reminded me of Taylor Young from Louisiana Tech in the prior years. I want to go back to something you said in the first segment. You were talking about uh, Tanner Hall, you know, the the walks that he issued uh, on Friday. And you also talked about the pitching staff at this point, you know, the lack of, of depth. With Tanner's last two performances, any even the slightest worry about pitching fatigue, not only just him but the entire staff? Uh, you know, I think anytime you start getting deeper in the season, I think pitchers are going to get tired. I think last week when we discussed why it seems like people start hitting later in the year, that right. was one of the things that we identified that could be a cause of that, uh, actual fatigue and just only so many bullets in the arm. Uh, and then when you start – getting those numbers up and certainly the body starts getting the fatigue but you know i think probably uh that is something uh that that could be possibly a concern but at the same time i think it's something that is is always there and is always going to be there and they just got to continue to push through it yeah coach I, I going back to the saturday game too obviously with great offensive performance uh Tate Parker comes up big, Slade Wilkes, uh, Ewing, as you mentioned. But I thought Will Armistead pitched really well, and I and I thought your pitchers showed a lot of guts. They came out there Sunday and pitched a lot better, and uh, and and really held held the opponent in check to a point that you were able to come back and win. But I think they deserve some credit. Am I right? Well, oh, well, absolutely. You know, Armistead gave us three innings, kind of ran into that trouble there in, in that third inning, obviously. But, you know, Isaiah came in and covered an inning two-thirds, um, was, was, gave up the other three runs. But, you know, credit Nico Mazza, who's, who's I think has only been one time out of ten. All, all right. the other times right. he's been as a starter. And, you know, that role was kind of reversed. We had that, that spot on, on Sunday as a TBA, not knowing who we were going to use because we didn't know if we were going to use Armistead in Friday or Saturday. But it became apparent that that – as Saturday's game continued to kind of move out of that direction, then, hey, we're going to save all our bullets on what we have left for this Sunday to try to salvage one win, and that's what we're able to do. And, and Nico was a big part of that, a role that he hasn't been used to, getting those all-important two, two shutout innings held by Justin Storm's performance, uh, which saw us there in the bottom of the ninth, even up 15-7, to seven, I, I'm telling you, you're not comfortable. You're not breathing <laughs> I, I would, easy I wouldn't. <laughs> until that third out. And, no. uh, and and for him to strike out the side and, yeah, and for, for us him. to get out of Myrtle Beach with one win, we were we were as happy as we could be yeah. at that point because that's all we could do. And he's such a good kid, man. I just I really like seeing uh really like seeing him doing well. All right, coach. Well, you know, the the sky has not fallen. Uh the Golden Eagles are solidly in second place alone. You're two games behind Coastal, but there's a lot. There's a lot of baseball left to play, obviously. So, uh, who knows what's going to happen down the stretch? Busy, busy week coming up, though. First time that uh, I think this year we've had two midweeks: Tulane tomorrow night, Tech here Wednesday night, and then Arkansas State. So, no time to rest, huh? No time to rest, and uh, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of pitchers that need to step up for us. And and offensively, we're going to have to score runs. I mean, this is. Probably uh, this is the the greatest midweek challenge that that we've we have so far this year in a uh, in a situation where we haven't proved to be really good and I'm just being honest so we have to prove to ourselves that we can go out and uh, and, and be able to cover these two before we play an all important uh, Sun Belt series this weekend against Arkansas State who just took two out of three from 
from Monroe, but you know, you were talking about the conference standings and man, what's some, some wild games and wild series this, this weekend. I would have never thought that James Madison no. would sweep, uh, Lafayette after Lafayette just beat the number one team in the country in a midweek game, LSU in Baton Rouge, uh, last, last Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever they played and then they go get swept. Old oh, Dominion no. loses the series. Um, Texas State loses the series to Troy. Uh, not that I thought Texas State would beat them, but you know when you when when you lose a series to Texas State and then you beat Troy at Troy, you kind of go well, you know, probably Texas State's favor there. But you know that didn't happen. They were able to salvage one yesterday, and so it's kind of kind of weird how every week there's something new that shakes out in this league. Oh, well, it kind of bunched up. One minute left. So explain for our listeners around the state. How do how, in college baseball? How do you beat the number one team in the country, and then get swept by James Madison three days later? Well, you know, I hate to say what Coach Polk always said, but you know <laughs> he what he always there, said: he? that's baseball, yeah, and uh, that's you know, right. every every game's a new game, and and it takes on a, a whole new level uh, of its own. So, yeah, it's hard to explain, but been there done that and uh <laughs> it, you know you can't wrap your head around a lot of times sometimes you break uh, your arm patting yourself on the back you know <laughs> yeah well you you said something to me earlier in the year coach one day we were talking and you said no sport no sport is more susceptible to upsets and unpredictability than college baseball this well, weekend proved wish, that didn't it oh and all across the country i mean with top ranked teams i mean florida gets swept at South Carolina, Tennessee sweeps number four Vanderbilt. I mean, and it goes on and on. Oklahoma sweeps Texas at Texas. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, anything can happen at any time. All right, Coach, good job yesterday, you and the guys, and we're glad you got back on track. Looking forward to a lot of Southern Miss baseball this week. All right, appreciate it, fellas. Coach Scott Berry, everybody. You know, Bob, when you look at that Southern Miss schedule the rest of the way, a lot of those games behind it say Pete Taylor Park. Yeah, it, if you look at the schedule, things shape up pretty well for the Golden Eagles. And we'll, and we'll go over that in the next segment yeah. and cross some T's and dot some I's. This uh, Monday's Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Right back. Southern Miss to the top. Hi, I want to thank baseball coach Scott Berry joins us every Monday. Win, lose, or draw. Coach Berry's always the same, and uh, we, we really could ex- express properly our respect for the man. We appreciate him uh, coming on the show today. Fourth Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour, and we were down there Friday, and the catfish was just as good as always. And uh, I'm sure they had all the games on over the weekend, and they'll have all the games on starting tomorrow night at Fourth Street Bar and Grill. Right in the shadow of the rock. Also want to thank Jana King, the king of clean, for sponsoring the Eagle Hour. The Jana King clean team. <laughs> the Jana King clean team has been working for 35 years, cleaning places of work, education, medicine, eateries, stadiums, and worship here in the Pine Belt. They can do the same thing for you. Just go to JanaKingCleans.com. Fourth Street, don't forget tomorrow night they've got the big spelling bee going on Tuesday night, Wednesday night trivia, and then Thursday night, they're going to have a lot of games uh, sur- 
wrapped around the, the NFL draft. draft. Yeah, 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 I forgot about the which draft. is going to be yeah, televised there fun. Thursday night. It's always fun. It I is like watching the draft. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Sun Belt Conference standings after this weekend: Coastal Carolina in first place, twenty-six and twelve, thirteen and five overall. In second place, it's still on their heels. 23 and 15 Southern Miss, 11 and 7 in the conference. Then there is a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 team tie for third place Troy, Old Dominion, uh, Lafayette, Texas State, Georgia Southern, all 10 and 8 in the league, followed by App State at 9 and 8, James Madison at 8 and 8, South Alabama, Georgia State, Arkansas State, Monroe, and Marshall. And Kelly, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 1, 2, 3. Is this new math or old, Bob? This is a- <laughs> confusing. I went to yeah. I went to Southern Miss. Uh, ten teams in the league with twenty or more wins. Pretty good baseball league. It is, and when but when you look at the Southern Miss schedule, we said it going it into up pretty well. Yeah, and when we when we talked about when you look at this this was road heavy the front part of the schedule. Just about every game except for maybe two the rest of the way are going to be at Pete Taylor Park. And then when you look at some of the teams that are down. In the standings, you know, Arkansas State, uh, Louisiana got swept this weekend, so the Cajuns aren't the team that they have been in the past. Um, now, obviously, you got to mind your P's and Q's, or, or they can beat you, just like South Alice having a down year. But when you look at this schedule the rest of the way, most of the games are at Pete Taylor Park. They're against teams that are down in the standings. This is a chance for right. for Southern Miss to at least fatten the win loss record. You know, don't know how the RPI will shake out because you didn't expect Tulane to have the down year that it's that it's had. You haven't expected the Cajuns or the Jags to have the, the seasons they're having. So when they made the schedule, those were all the right moves. But uh, but the schedule for sure favors the Eagles the rest of the way. All right. Monroe is the only road series left. Uh, they're 15-25. and 25. Arkansas State here at the Pete this weekend. They're 14-22. and 22. South Alabama will be at the Pete. And I don't take that, I don't take that series lightly, obviously. They're 21-19. and 19 And... Louisiana twenty six and fifteen. Those won't be easy outs, but those are should be winnable games if uh, if the Golden Eagles uh, play. So a lot of baseball, uh, a lot of baseball left to play. So Kelly, it's that time of the year where everybody has a guess where everybody's going. So let's just you know for giggles, let's run through it. A D one baseball has Southern Miss as the number two seed in the Gainesville, Florida regional. Florida, number one, Southern Miss, number two, Virginia Tech, number three, and Maine, number four. USA Today, this would be the one I would not want to see, has uh, Southern Miss as the number two team in the LSU Regional. Uh, Oregon State, number three, Sam Houston State, number four. I don't think you want to have anything to do with that bracket right there. If for no other reason than the LSU fans remember their trip to Hattiesburg. I'm pretty sure year. they haven't forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure. So they would have bells yeah, on ready know. to greet uh, Eagle fans I'm down there. I'm pretty sure they haven't forgotten that uh, <laughs> right. that heavyweight fight. Uh, NOLA.com, our buddy Patrick McGee, has Southern Miss playing in the Greenville, South Carolina regional. And I like this. Number one, East Carolina. Southern Miss, number two. Louisville, number three. Kent State number four. Anyway, you go. You got to play good teams, Kelly. There's no getting around that, is there? Yeah, and I and I don't. You know, Southern Miss right now second in the league. But again, when you compare that schedule uh, to some of the other teams in the league, I I just don't see all things being equal and the Eagles playing like they're capable of. I just don't see the Eagles being any worse than a two seed 
going into the going into the tournament. Now, obviously, we've got four series left to go, but uh, I think all those scheduled series are, are in Southern Miss's favor. So I just don't think the Eagles mm-hmm. would drop any worse than than second. And it looks like Bob, the Eagle Hour is even going to be at the conference. Yes, tournament we're going to be year. we're going to be in Huntsville at the uh, at the uh, Sun Belt Conference tournament. Our ownership. Uh, Made it clear that they wanted us to go over there and cover the tournament. We're excited about that in Montgomery, in Montgomery. Yeah, so that, that and that'll come up uh, Memorial they Day. Also on the Angel from Montgomery. You remember who sang that, don't you, John Prine? You're a John Prine guy, aren't you? I love John. Prine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of baseball left, Kelly. Uh, who's who's hot right now? Well, James Madison has won three straight. That had that had to be the shocker of the week. I called that. Do you remember? I mean, look, even a blind hog finds an acorn every once in a while, but but I called well, that, that one over the that's weekend. That's hard to figure there, isn't it? Well, you just figured they're, they're not that bad and to come in here and get clobbered by Southern Miss, I figured, you know, that they would bounce back. I you know, I didn't know that this I really wasn't that confident in a sweep, but what the heck, there's no money on yeah. the line, so. South Alabama has they won Saturday and Sunday Arkansas State actually comes in here on a two-game winning streak. But, again, they're 14 and uh, 22 on the season. And probably the the team reeling right now would be Louisiana. They've lost uh, three straight. Georgia State has lost two state. I don't think they're very good. Uh, Georgia Southern, that's a a surprise to me, 20 and 20. And they were a regional host last year. Yeah, and just when you think they're down, you know, they come back with a couple of series wins, and you think, okay, they're back, and then they stumble for a couple of weekends. They just really haven't found an identity this year. Uh, so, I, you know, there, there's a team that they're going to have to earn their way in to postseason play. They're certainly not going to host a regional, and they're going to have to earn their, their postseason play by the way they finished down the stretch here, including winning the tournament. Do all the teams get in the tournament? I shouldn't say that on the air if I don't know, but the truth is I don't know. I don't know either. I, I think they do, though, Bob. I well, think- if they did, that means that Southern Miss would open the tournament with, if it were today, against Louisiana Monroe. I like that. <laughs> let's keep it that way. Coach Federico over there Let's uh, with the Let's Warhawks. play Coastal Carolina again in the championship game. So you want to try to avoid? Uh, well, you know, well, I don't know. I really wouldn't mind seeing us play Coastal Carolina again on a big field. I mean, that little baby field they had. And, well, how interesting was that that Scott pointed out? I'd never noticed that. No dimensions on, on the field. That's odd, isn't it, Kelly? You're a baseball guy. Usually, but, but if I, and if I'm not mistaken, I was watching some of the action on ESPN Plus this weekend. I think their announcers mentioned it a couple times. Um, but, and I was struck, you know, at how shallow it was to center compared to where they were down the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by all accounts, it's a beautiful little place, very intimate, uh, great yeah. place to, to watch a game. I, I was a little struck. I, I thought, man, I just thought Coastal's body language at different times was really bad. Uh, I just They looked kind of cocky and arrogant to me, particularly that relief pitcher yesterday, you know, strutting and – Man, I don't. I don't ever want. Should have done that. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't like when players like try to make themselves the headline rather than the team. I think that backfired a little bit. It did. It did. Yeah. Came back and and. Here's another observation, and and here this puts Southern Miss baseball in perspective. Coastal, I, I want to say, is sixth or seventh in the country now. They were they were in the top ten coming in, right? Playing at home, a top twenty five team at their ballpark. They're drawing two thousand people a game. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd be buying scalp tickets at Pete Taylor Park, would you not? You know, if, you'd be you'd be looking if, around, going, "What is wrong? Where if, is everybody?" If Coastal if was were, here, 
Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. If Coastal had been here, yeah, you would, yeah, for sure. And we're not going to draw two thousand people when we play Arkansas State. We're going to draw twice that. We we draw two thousand people to play. You know the Sisters of the Poor. <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm telling you, but you know, it's a little surprising. And, and I guess that goes back to the regions again. You know, there's, that's a part of a country that I guess that college baseball is just not what it is in the Southeast. And, and a lot of the schools around the South Carolina area are all smashed together. I mean, you're, even though you're in South Carolina, you're not that far from Athens, Georgia. You know, you're not that far from Clemson. You're not that far from South Carolina. You know, so you've got that, that, can I say SEC thing going on over in, in that part of the I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, part of the country too. So they are they're very they're similar in a lot of ways to what Southern Miss deals with in Mississippi. There, there's there's no question. Yeah, was it was somebody on the show mentioned last week that Coastal is maybe it was Cliff Russum on Thursday that said that, that Coastal Carolina is kind of the Southern Miss of that state. You mm-hmm. know, that it gets you got the Gamecocks to get all the all the headlines there, and you got Clemson that gets a lot of the headlines, and Coastal kind of goes unnoticed. But uh, the student body is growing there. It's a beautiful campus not far away from Myrtle Beach. I mean, you know, great location. So it's got a lot of things going for it. They were cocky, weren't they? That one particular relief pitcher, I, I wasn't real, you know, a real fan of. When when you strike somebody out, and you you know, you start barking as you're going off the field, and you start mm-hmm. doing the most muscular pose and all that kind of stuff. I just, yeah. I'm not a big it, fan. It's of It's kind of like the great sweetness said: when you score a touchdown, act like you've done it before. Right. Isn't I, that right? I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, but again, that's part of me is old school too. Everything now seems to be show and, and walk up music and yeah. all that kind of stuff. You are old. <laughs> For sure. Hey, when we come back, we're gonna talk about what the softball team did this weekend. Beach volleyball's got the co- closing tournament coming up, and men's golf is doing some great things right here in Mississippi at the conference tournament. We'll have an update when the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back. This segment sponsored by D1 and D-Back. Great training facility on Hardy Street. Great place for you to take your child for baseball, softball training. If you're an athlete yourself, an adult athlete, D- D1 can uh, put you a training program together uh, to do anything you need to do to improve your game. We really appreciate the guys at uh, D1 and D-Bat, as we do Mobay Beignet, and we'll be down there in a couple of weeks, actually, at Mobay Beignet Company. Great place uh, to enjoy some great desserts, great coffee on Hardy Street, right across from the campus, the official beignet store of the Eagle Hour. Kelly and I talking uh, off-air about how things have changed, and um, years ago I was involved in coaching kids' sports, and Kelly still does that to this day. And you were telling me something's just kind of hard for me to comprehend that at eight year old baseball, parents show up with boom boxes and play walk up music when their eight year old comes up to bat. Yeah, and, and they even have like some, and not not all the teams obviously, but some, and and there'll be you know like a radio voice guy now batting at number eight, Joey. You know, and <laughs> Kelly is an old school coach. You don't let that on your team, do you? Absolutely not. 
don't even allow open-ended pants. You know, okay. baseball so you're, you're pants. You're sticking to the way it's supposed to. Baseball be. pants are supposed to be worn with elastic underneath that. You know, underneath the kneecaps. That's that's just the way. You know, but because I think I think that kids, the epitome of their baseball career. Most kids' baseball career is going to end in high school. Mm-hmm. So that's when they should wear the most expensive uniforms. That's when they should get. If you're going to do walk-up music, that's when you do that. But kids now are so seem to be I'm generalizing, of course, but. Um, they're so they're much more concerned about their walk-up music than how they play. Great, you know. You remember um, Coach Robichaux, the <laughs> late Robichaux from uh, Louisiana Lafayette, told us a story one time on the air. Had a kid come up to me and say, "Coach, well, w- when are we gonna pick out our walk-up music?" I said, "Walk-up music? Hell, son, you ain't gonna need no walk-up music sitting on the bench. <laughs> you, what's, what's your <laughs> sit-down music gonna be, right? <laughs> Rather than your walk-up music." Oh, hey, Southern Miss softball this weekend. The Lady Eagles won one out of three against Coastal. They got beat on Friday afternoon, four to one. Lost five to three on Saturday, and then won Game Three yesterday, three to two at the Women's Softball Complex. Right now, the Lady Eagles are twenty and nineteen overall four and 13 in conference play that is good for 10th place in the in the sunbelt softball standings the beach volleyball the women's beach volleyball team gets ready for uh, the tournament in huntsville that's uh, this coming thursday that beautiful new uh beach volleyball complex up huntsville alabama's got it going on bob they got a lot of things they got a beach volleyball complex. Uh, brand new brand hmm. spanking new has never been used and so they're going to unveil that uh, beginning on Thursday. In men's tennis, uh, the season is over. Old Dominion was crowned the Sunbelt men's tennis champions uh, with a, a victory in that tournament. Let's look at Southern Miss men's golf. The Sunbelt Conference Championships underway. Today is round one of three rounds at the Annandale Golf and Country Club in Madison, Mississippi. Nice place. It is. Texas State uh, here in round one leading the way with a team total of five under par. They've got a good cushion going. Troy and James Madison tied for second place at even par. Southern Miss checking in fourth right now, one over Louisiana in fifth place at two over. South Al is in sixth at three over. But even better news for Southern Miss right now, tied for medalist honors is Robbie Ladder with Southern Miss. He's completed 14 holes, is three under par. Cameron Clark, his teammate, Not far behind at just one under par. He had completed 12 holes at last report. So right now, Texas with a five-shot lead over Troy and James Madison, but the Eagles then lurking just another shot back. Sunbelt Golf Championships in Annandale right here in Mississippi. A couple weeks ago, Luke and I were over at Southern Equipment in Laurel and did an Eagle Hour remote. We're happy to say that they have signed up as a new sponsor on our Laurel affiliate, WLAU. So I want to welcome uh, Southern Equipment, great place uh, for Tractor parts, uh, machinery, all sorts of uh, machine maintenance, uh, what have you. At Southern Equipment, there on Highway 84, uh, out actually by uh, Luke's stomping ground, where he's the big hero, of course, at West Jones High School. And a salute to Hattiesburg's own Davis Riley, who prepped at uh, Presbyterian Christian School, went on to play golf at the A-Word over in... Oh, you know, the dark side. Yes, over in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. But uh, he and he and his golf partner on the PGA Tour, they won the Zurich team event in New Orleans this weekend. I think his share, Bob, is going to be about 800000 maybe. Pretty good weekend for Davis Riley. Kind of like working in the radio industry, isn't it, Kelly? You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. This whole station wouldn't sell for $800,000, I don't $800, think. $800,000. But good for Davis, yeah, man. No question. He and the wife and got a new baby, so they're... Good for them. Yeah. The baby will have everything he wants. I just cool. wonder, I wonder, and maybe somebody can clarify this for us, does that qualify, even though it was a team event, 
Does that qualify for Davis getting into the Masters next year? Well, the year I qualified back in the late 80s, it, it did not. I had to earn it. 1880s way. or? 1880. Yeah. Yes, when you when you're, you're part, partnered up with Bob Golby and Dow Finsterwald. Back Nick, we're Knickers. <laughs> Julius Boros. It was great stuff, man. <laughs> hey, we're going to be at Woolwine Jeep Chrysler, their brand new showroom Thursday for their grand opening. We're honored that Woolwine asked this bunch to come uh, do their grand opening, but we will be there with bells on. We are looking forward to it. Yeah, but you did tell them, you know, Sanders going to be off. You know, the, I think that's how we got the gig. Exactly. Actually. That's <laughs> that really that's helpful a lot of times when I'm negotiating. You're welcome. Here. You're welcome. <laughs> all right, uh, Luke will be back tomorrow. All three of us. You here tomorrow? No, nope. off the rest of the week. I thought you were off Wednesday. No, rest of the week. All right, so Kelly's bailing as usual, and uh, Luke will be back, thank goodness, uh, tomorrow. And we look forward to having another show with you. Until then, Southern Myth. To the top. into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.